Welcome to the Efficient Private Clients Podcast, where we delve into the intricacies of the financial world and bring you our latest market and economic expertise. Today, we discuss alternative assets such as private equity, hedge funds, etc. I am Kyle Poppy, an investment specialist at Efficient Private Clients, and I'll be hosting you today. We are joined again in studio by Renew Fonsale, a portfolio manager at Efficient Private Clients. Today's topic of alternative investments is an interesting one and one that's garnered a lot of attention as of late from investors and clients looking for something different in their portfolios. Before we get to the rump of the discussion, would you quickly explain what alternative assets are and how investors can gain access to these? Hello, Carl. So if something contains alternative, it sounds interesting, right? Mm, it does. sounds exotic. It sounds almost based better than the existing alternative. And it also sells easily because the returns often look and sound much better than those of traditional assets. So if you're an investor that's looking for something different, this will resonate with you. Mm. Um, let's unpack it a little bit. So alternative investments are basically just options outside of traditional investments such as stocks, bonds, and cash. So the definition thereof is pretty simple. And what the, uh, what the alternative investment encompasses is real estate, there's commodities in there, there's private equity, hedge funds, even art and collectibles, and then yes, wait for it, nowadays cryptocurrencies mm. as well. So a lot of people will be happy here that we're discussing that. Yeah. And you know what's, what's more for me is that usually alternative assets have a low correlation with traditional markets, which also just adds to the attractiveness as it has the ability to reduce the volatility of the overall portfolio. And what's more is it keeps people invested when there's large drawdowns in the market. You know, and we've experienced a couple of those over the last decade and a half. We saw 2008, we saw 2020 and 2022 when markets in certain instances drop more than 30%, right? Yeah, so it's important for investors not to withdraw the money during those markets. And then I also just think it's important to mention that in certain instances, you can expect to receive higher returns than you would typically get in traditional assets as well. But before just declaring victory and shouting that everything is good and well, one must always consider the opposite side of the equation. And that is that alternative assets that can be riskier and in certain instances, they can be less liquid compared to traditional assets. And you know, that in itself makes it more suitable for a more sophisticated investor. But I've even seen instances over past several years where even the most sophisticated of investors didn't fully understand the underlying of the private equity, the hedge fund, or the crypto instruments. Complexities, yeah. Yes, it's not simple at all. And that's very um, concerning to me because in situations where you don't understand the underlying, you're really placing a lot of faith in the firm or the managers themselves. You know, And it's because of that that I can't emphasize enough that investors need to do their due diligence on the investment and they need to understand the unique risks associated before they just invest in alternative assets. And I know it's difficult to look past the great returns that are promised, you know, on a piece of paper when mm. people look at it. But that being said, we've been around the block now. We've seen examples over the last several years of private equity company that just basically went under or they struggled to stay afloat because they invested in rotten assets. And unfortunately, it was the investors that bore the brunt, you know, of those losses. So. Just concluding with this doomsday scenario then, um, my advice would be for, as with any investment, that clients must first consult their financial advisor and it must align with their overall financial goals and risk tolerances. So 
Koud to answer your second part of the question then. Nowadays, investors can easily gain access to alternatives. There's various platforms and channels. We know there's online investment platforms such as Yield Street, Fundrise, there's cryptocurrency exchanges like Coinbase, Binance, Kraken. There's even crowdfunding platforms where investors don't need a lot of cash yes. to gain access you know, to these very sophisticated products. And then bringing it uh, closer to home, uh, you know, there's stuff that we do, for example. There's funds, there's investing in exchange-traded funds, there's portfolios, multi-asset solutions uh, that um, combines traditional assets with alternative assets, similar to those that we offer at the okay. end of the day. Mm. Thanks for that. Given the vast amount of alternatives, let's start to unpack some of those which fall into our universe. Today, the world of private equity isn't so private anymore, given more stringent reporting requirements and the ease of access to the information on some of those firms. There's been a multi-decade explosion in private equity, and the cynics will say super cheap money, uh, which courtesy of the central banks contributed to the growth, and that the game is potentially changing or has already changed. What do you think are the drivers that keep private equity as a growth industry, even against the tide of the rising interest rates? Mm, that's a very good question, Carl. So the growth for me in private equity is very similar to alternative assets. Mm. Uh, you know, there's essentially three broad themes that stand out for me. The first is a little bit structural, and that is that uh, companies would l- uh, like to stay private for longer today than they used to. And with that, I just refer to that they're not IPOing you know, as quickly as they used to. Um, there's companies that, you know, they don't want to be exposed to the quarterly reporting requirements that the public markets offer them. And they are very happy just to continue raising capital and grow privately. And they're doing that very well. You know, nowadays, uh, companies can raise multi-billions of dollars through technology and even just reaching out to private investors. We've seen that companies like Blackstone just by snapping their fingers, can raise close to $100 billion. Yes. You know, they, it is a it is a public listed company, but they weren't publicly listed forever. And mm-hmm. they raised capital, even as a limited partnership, you know, back in the day. So uh, times have definitely changed, I think. The, the second theme is around returns and the perspective of clients in the industry. So you have raw sums of capital, you know, that are held by pension funds on behalf of retirees, you know, there's insurance companies, there's sovereign wealth funds, you know, and for these companies, they have multi-decade horizons mm. that they don't need access to the capital today. They don't need it tomorrow. They don't even need it over the next few decades. And they can invest in long-term investments. Yes. And that, that drives the, the demand for that because those institutions are getting large amounts of money in. Mm. Um, what is important for those institutions is you know, that they compound the capital above the rate of their liabilities. And for them, it's compelling to put money in private equity investment opportunities where they're getting that illiquidity premium, mm. you know, because they're getting a higher rate of return yes, for that yes. illiquidity at the end of the day. And then finally, um, something that stands out for me is that alternatives, and more specifically private equity, is an area of the market that has a high fee structure than, for example, ETFs or a lot of times, you know, normal share portfolios. And just because of that higher fee structure, it usually tends to attract the most talent. So you have a field investment, but you have some of the strongest investment talent drawn to that. And because because of that compensation model, and ultimately at Efficient Product Lines, we're a strong believer that talent 
produces strong results. Mm -hmm. So we like that very much. I recently saw a stat where they say it's uh, six times more difficult to get into Blackstone than it is to get into Harvard. Jeez. So you can think the, the skill set mm -hmm. and you know, the intelligence that those companies acquire. Um, and at the end of the day, you know, if you look at the management team, you look at the talent, it's a very good indicator for what your returns is going to be. Mm. Yes. Definitely. Um, just quickly before we finish off, I know we'll have a look at more alternative assets in our next episode. So I, I quickly don't want to miss the, the chance. Yeah. Do you have a favorite company in the private equity space? <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> so um, I, I love this question um, because one of the companies that we own is Blackstone. Um, you know, I've, I've liked it for a very long period of time. They've got a very well-polished management team in Ivan Saltzman and Jonathan Gray. They've been with the company for a long period of time now. And as I've mentioned just in the, in the previous question as well, that uh, a company like Blackstone can raise multi-billions of dollars by just snapping mm -hmm. their fingers because they're delivering on the returns as well. You know, what is important for investors is that they must just be cognizant of the valuation of yes. the company. Yes. No, definitely. And just to remind our investors and clients alike that you can always keep your equity private with efficient private clients. Mm -hmm.